ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present The Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of The Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank, I'm Branham. It's Joe George, our assistant to the regional manager and Queen Bee behind the glass. And it's a Thursday edition. Of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. You know what we do on a Thursday. Who made the list of Bad Take Boulevard? Uh, Brian was out of Texans training camp again. Uh, did not hold it inside. Not too pleased about that. We'll get to all of that. But the Astros lose a baseball game yesterday. Blankers, so much to take away from this game. A lot of layers of the onion to peel back. A lot. Where do you, you want to start? I mean, the good was Bregman again. And you get off to a good start. You put up a crooked number in the first inning. You know, Fromber gets, goes, you mows them down for two innings. And, and going into the third, you feel pretty damn good about the fact that you might just sweep the Rangers and with that just demoralize them in the way that you handled your business in the last two weeks against uh, the junk grabbers from uh, up north. Stop, don't do that. And I'm just taking don't a PC be the term. fifth person to use that term. Yeah, okay. Well, the the Arlington Rangers, how about that? I like that one. Okay. South the, Oklahoma Rangers. Yeah, the Arlington Rangers, you, you could have absolutely just sucked the life out of them and demoralized them. And instead, by the way this game ended, and not just the fact that you lost, but all the different things in the, that happened in the midst of it, has kind of rejuvenated, energized, and powered up the Arlington Rangers now to believe that they're going to be in this thing and that and that they're going to be even more fired up to play the Astros in those final three and down the stretch, you know, go neck and neck with them. So uh, I just thought it was kind of a power play that they could have made last night. They didn't make it. Unfortunately, it didn't go their way, and it sucks. But still, taking two out of three from the Rangers was a good thing. If the Rangers needed this to play harder, then the Rangers stink. And I don't have any belief in the Texas Rangers doing any serious things in Major League Baseball. Um... I'm a big picture guy when it comes to baseball. Like I, I try my very best not to react to one game. Because, look, Astros are going to have an off day today. They're going to play baseball tomorrow. And this is going to be in the rearview mirror really, really quickly. It's the beauty of baseball. Is you play mostly every single day. And it is a big picture sport. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. I look at the series. The Astros took two of three. Now, there's things that happened in that game yesterday that we're going to get to that are frustrating because you're not going to just be, oh, you know, whatever. I mean, the Astros took two of three against the team that leads the American League West. They, they did what they had to do. This was a successful series for the Houston Astros. Is it frustrating they didn't win game three? That would have already clinched the head-to-head tiebreaker. That would have tied the Astros with the Rangers in the American League West. Yeah, there's frustration there. There's frustration how the game played out. There's drama in the game. There's concerns about Framber Valdez. There's a lot to get to from that game yesterday. But overall, you take two of three against the team that leads your division, a successful series for the Houston Astros. Well, not only that, but it's not as much as we know that they want to play up the rivalry, quote-unquote, and, and everything with the two teams. There's no mistaking this is the best offense in baseball. This is a very good baseball team. This is a team that as much as we feel like they've overspent and the way they've gone about their business in the last several years, and they've been owned over the last six years by the Astros, that they, they're starting to right the ship. They're having a really good year. Their offense is very, very potent. So to give up a game like this in the way that they did last night – it's not like you can say this is something that you should be completely this, – this is what they do. Most They score more runs than anybody. We've seen the graphics. The fact is, you just lost one game. It's just that, again, you're right. Prisoner of the moment, a lot, a lot of people were like, you could really send a message if you sweep them. Because I don't think anybody walked into this series thinking – you were gonna, you're gonna have a sweep possibility. Yeah. I think that stuff is more for the people outside the lines, though. Like if the I'm Rangers sure get swept in that series and the Astros are tied, or like, yeah, they're well, you know, they are the Astros, but you still have tons of baseball to play. Like the Astros, be, I'm not worried about the Astros being two games back as opposed. To, would I have rather them have won? Absolutely, I would have rather them have won. Uh, but I like to look at it in series. I like to look at blocks of games, and I'm not disappointed at all that the Astros took two of three. Am I? little surprised that the Astros jump out to a 3 nothing lead and they lose a game in which Fromber Valdez is pitching. I, I should be surprised, but Fromber Valdez in his last few starts has not been very good. Fromber in his last five starts, Blankers, has an ERA of 7. 
Last five starts, ERA of seven. I was screaming on the tallest hill in Houston that they need to make sure that they are taking care of Framber Valdez because I care more about the workload and health of Framber Valdez than I care about the workload and health of Phil Maton. I'm concerned about Fromber. I'm worried that you have your ace of the staff that, look, he's not pitching his best. Things are going poorly for Fromber Valdez, and this isn't great whenever Christian Javier isn't pitching his best, when Hunter Brown isn't pitching his best. I think Fromber will figure it out at some point, but I'd rather him be pitching good in his last five as opposed to having an ERA of seven in his last five. Yeah, no doubt. I, you know, and, and I know that social media is going absolutely nuts about the fact that you know something's wrong with him. And and you need to focus on that. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with him other than he's probably got a tired arm. That, you know, he's got dead arm because just like the rest of the staff or the majority of the rest of the staff, they've been overused this year. And, and it goes to your point that you were making on social media and on the show a week or so ago when you're up six runs and you leave him back in the game and you're, you're trying to get more out of him when the last thing you need to be doing right now is pushing the pedal down on Framber Valdez. There's still plenty of season left, but if the man's ERA has gone up over a full run in the last five starts. You know, he's given up 15 earned runs in his last 15 innings. That's not a good look. Uh, and it looks like the old Fromber last night from a mental perspective, too. It looks like he just completely checked out at a certain point and just was, like, basically mailing it in and going, screw this, I'm out. And and you need someone. This is what Maldi's truly out there for. Someone needs to re- rein him in and be able to try and at least maintain some focus. But I think he's he's due for more than just a fake sprained ankle miss a start, turn in the rotation. They need to figure out some rest for this guy and get him right while you still have time. I don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's realistic that you're resting from Valdez or you're coming up with a phantom injury. Well, I mean, but I, I... whether it's realistic or not, it might be the most important thing that they they try and do. Because so they're gonna they're gonna send Fromber on the 15 day IL, and Renault Blanco is gonna make three starts instead of Fromber Valdez. I don't know three starts. Was got to be 15 days. Well, I mean, it just depends on if they're gonna make a roster move or, or not. But if there's a way that you know, like the Rangers just skip Uvalde. like if you can if you can skip him for a start or two, depending on how he feels and what's going on behind the scenes. I just think that it's in the best interest of everybody right now because he's not obviously close to where he was. Um, it's not about the All-Star game. It's not about other things. It's about the fact, in my opinion, that he's got a dead arm because he's been overused, and, and it just seems like he needs to skip a start or two. I think they need to go to a six-man rotation, quite frankly. I think that that's kind of like the middle of where we're thinking. It's probably the compromise of where we're thinking because look up and down the rotation. Fromber Valdez right now, he's, he's he's worked a lot in the last couple of years. You know, pitched deep into the postseason. The Astros held him out of the WBC. He's your he's your workhorse, and people were wanting to pitch him in the seventh inning of a, a six-run game because he's capable of handling it. Christian Javier, he's worked more innings than he's ever worked before. Hunter Brown is a rookie. Look, J.P. France is pitching great, but J.P. France is coming up with more innings than he's ever going to pitch in his life. The Astros have to go to a six-man rotation, not only to save their starters, but it's also going to save your bullpen because you go to a six-man rotation, you figure that those six starters will be going deeper into games because they're not starting as often, which means that you can use the uh, you don't have to use the bullpen as much. It's part of the recipe last year. Whenever you were in this part of the, part of the schedule, uh, after the trade deadline, you go to a six-man rotation. The, the bullpen is fresh. Then the bullpen carries you to the playoffs. I think it's time to go to a six-man rotation. I think everybody would benefit from it. Fromber, Javier, Brown, the bullpen – the issue here and the pushback with the six-man rotation is quite simply who's the sixth guy. And it's probably why you need to make a trade because right now the fifth starter is either Brandon Belak slash Ronel Blanco. Right now it's Belak and Blanco is pitching for the Spacers. And then you're getting Jose Arquini back at some point, probably late next week, early two weeks from now, which, you know, he's going to be part of the rotation mix. But even at that case, like, do you want Belak making a turn every six games? Do you want mm-hmm. Blanco making a turn every six games? The answer is no. Like, Arquini's part is your fifth pitcher of a six-man rotation and you're looking on in the trade market for a six starter yeah look and i think that now that the first domino has fallen with giolito going to the angels i think that you're going to see general managers kind of try and be a little bit more pressing and urgent in terms of making sure they don't get left without who someone that they're very interested in i think the market's really going to heat up and we're getting closer to the deadline but for dana brown it should already be to where his he should be hyper focused because he's seeing what we're seeing and more he knows that you know, you've got to find another starting pitcher. And now with Fromber doing this on top of, like you mentioned, Javier and also with Hunter Brown, you need to have some outside help come in for this team, I think, for it to have its best chance 
to win another World Series. And in order to do that, he's got to really start getting those irons in the fire cooking, and he's got to start getting some really serious dialogue going to try and make some moves happen because it isn't about a bat anymore for me. It's about a starting pitcher and probably a relief pitcher because they need the help with the arms more than anywhere else on this team. Yeah. Uh, To me, it depends on the name before I'm power ranking needs. Uh, I I think you could use all three. I think all three are very, very helpful. I think the price is going to be very high. I think that we're going to be in for a deadline that is – I think Dana is going to be aggressive and do stuff. I don't think there's going to be a splash. I I think that he's going to make two or three trades to beef up the team. I don't think any of them are going to be the splashes that you expect to see. In terms of like Fromber pitching poorly, and I am concerned. I mean, he's five starts. He's got an ERA of seven when he was before this stretch, the betting favorite to be the American League Cy Young. Things are not going great for Fromber Valdez. We'll get to the mental side of it here a little bit later. His command's not great. His command's really bad. He's, there's times when he's ahead of the count, fastball, middle of the plate, top third of the zone. Like, what are you doing there, Fromber Valdez? And and that was part of his, like, that was his weakness, and that were criticism, that were critiques of Fromber Valdez when he was coming up, was that he lacks control. I think these last five starts, we've seen lack of control from Fromber Valdez. Now, not necessarily always in the walks, although in each of these last five starts, he's walked at least two in every single game, so that's a high walk total. But he's missing spots. I mean, he's leaving fastballs up in the zone. He can't get the breaking ball over for a strike. I think Fromber's biggest issue right now is that he's having trouble with his command. I mean, it's kind of like Javier-esque, right? I don't see a, a drop in the fastball. He's popping his last start. He was popping close to 98 on his fastball. The Rangers broadcast said that he dropped velo. I was listening. I had to watch the Rangers broadcast because my DVR screwed up. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't notice it either. I didn't see it. I, I don't see that. Just like I saw Javier's velo get back to where we're used to seeing it. So the velo is not the problem. But those secondary pitches for both guys are an issue with each guy. And and as you said, it was my frustration the other night. And it, it's, it's, it's kind of across the board with the starting pitchers of the Astros, you get ahead in account, specifically 0-2 counts for for certain. And instead of just trying to get someone to chase by putting a ball that looks hittable, you know, and like you said, it, it's a competitive pitch, but it really has no chance of being any damage done to it. Instead, they're just going middle, middle, middle up, and and a, and a pitch comes in screaming, hit me. See, I don't think they're meaning to do that, though. That's the lack of command I'm talking about. No, but I'm just saying that's where they end up. Yeah, it's lack of command. And so it's a major issue for this team. And it's a and I, if it is command, then that's a tougher problem to solve because now you got to get start getting into mechanics. You start start figuring out the whys, and in some guys, it's going to be a lot more difficult than others to try and figure out the whys of why suddenly they've lost control of a pitch that they've been able to place wherever yeah. they needed to place. It. Yeah, I promise you, they're not trying to put a fastball middle middle on an O two count. Not like middle middle, but I'm saying it's just too hittable, right? right. I, I just think you know if you it's if, command. Okay, all right. Regardless, it, it's just it's something that's got to change. It does, and the the fact that he can't get a breaking ball over for a strike is something that concerns me, too. And then the last point with, like, his stuff, y'all think his fastball is a little flatter than what we've normally seen? Like, to me, he's not getting that sink that Fromber Valdez normally gets. The one that I, more so than the sink, the one, and I think he gets enamored with it, too. It's the movement from side to side where he starts it at a right-handed hitter and it fades in, and, and, and he gets too cute with it. He keeps trying to place that pitch, and he's not able to place it where he normally does, where it starts out in the in the right-handed batter's box and it ends up on the inside corner. And then he doesn't get it on the first try, time he tries it, but now it's almost like he's hell-bent. I'm going to throw it two more times. And he throws it in the exact same spot, and suddenly he's in a 3-0 count. Command. Well, that is, yeah. <laughs> but I, I feel like he's not getting the sink that we normally see on his pitches, too, which maybe is leading to that ball being a little higher in the zone. That'd be more on his change, too. To. The change has got to dip more. Yeah, he's having trouble throwing that for strikes, too. Yep. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line, 713-780-3776. Uh, listeners probably screaming at us, you guys are burying the lead. The bench is cleared. Let's get to the drama. Is this a rivalry again? 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. Rangers, Astros, drama. It's Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Do you want to be rich? Yeah, of course you do. You know how you can get rich? 
entering the Circa Million or the Circa Survivor and winning that bad boy. There's $14 million in guaranteed prizes combined with both contests. You know what's great about it, too? Circa's doing it without any rake. Circa's doing it because they love you. They're not taking a dime off of you. The biggest football contest in Las Vegas, back for their fifth year, only at Circa Sports. Head to Circa, enter in Vegas, and the beauty of it, you can play from anywhere. Submit those picks from anywhere across the United States or the world. The Circa Million Football Contest, $6 million in total prizes. Quarterly payouts and 100% payback. No rake. Where can you get that? Nowhere. And the top prize is $1 million guaranteed. You win this thing, you're guaranteed to be a millionaire. Win $1 million bucks. You'll pick five teams against the spread weekly. Winner takes home $1 million. The Circa Survivor. We've all played Survivor pools. We like those. Their biggest prize yet for the Circa Survivor, 8 million dollars it's simple pick a winner straight up no spread win big be the lone survivor and a guaranteed eight million dollars is yours bigger money than ever play today for your share of 14 million in guaranteed prizes contest open now you don't want to miss out enter in vegas play from anywhere visit circusports.com for details All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. It was uh, all a dream for the Rangers yesterday as they blew out the Astros. A lot of drama that we didn't get to in that opening segment. Maybe bury the lead. Poor job by the Bees. By me particularly. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. Uh, 8240, Brain and T. I think the Rangers want it to be more of a rivalry than the Astros do. I mean, I agree with you, Brandon T., but can you blame them? Can you blame the Rangers? I mean, the Astros have been have been the king of the division. Like, if you want to be the king of the division, you want to be the winners of the division, you kind of have to be rivals with the team that's owned the division. So I really don't blame the Rangers. While I agree with you, Brandon T., that they wanted they were trying to make fetch happen with the Houston Astros, I don't blame them for trying to make fetch happen with the Houston Astros. I mean, they everybody in the division knows, and it's like every year it changes, and and and. We'll get to Simeon, but Simeon, when he was a member of the A's, had one year where they were thinking that they were the top dogs because they were going to win the division, and they were in a place that the Astros had been firmly seated for a long period of time. And then it was the Mariners, and it was their midseason World Series, and then it was the playoffs, and it was every chance because they got to get to the Astros. Now it's the Rangers that fall in line as the next to try and say, we're going to be king of the mountain. We're going to take over the division. So in order to do that, we need to create this conflict and create this this issue with the with the Astros because they've been everybody's daddy. Well, it's midseason. So, okay, have your fun. You're still two games up and celebrating all the tabs out there with the twangs that are you know are hoping to God this is a chance for them to be happy at the end of the season. You can walk away and if you want, hold your head up high. But the Astros took two of three. The Astros took a whole lot more than that for when they beat you in your building. So they only have to win one more, and they win another boot to throw under their bed. That means nothing, but it yet to say, we still aren't going anywhere. We're still doing what we do. Yeah. So and, if you need a rivalry, go ahead, call it a rivalry. Yeah, I don't blame them for doing it. Now, this year the series does matter uh, because of the whole tiebreaker thing. Yeah. Like, it matters more than the trophy because that's just a chunk of metal. Uh, 713-780-3776. Look, I don't know who started it yesterday, if we're being completely honest. As soon as Andrew Heaney hit Jordan Alvarez with an 0-2 pitch. I don't think Heaney did it on purpose. Do you think Heaney did it on purpose? I was. I looked at the replay a couple of times. I mean, that's a fastball. Sure. So, I mean, normally you, I can see him losing control on a breaking pitch a lot easier than a fastball. The thing that bothered me the most is where it hit him. Where do you I, want 0-2 pitches, though? You want him in his zone or out of the zone? Well, we've said that, but I don't want it at, at a guy's rotator cuff sure. and his arm, but know, he back wants of his it, armpit. He wants it closer to Jordan's body than he wants it in the strike zone, if we're being completely honest. And Jordan... That's the scouting report on Jordan's. You go up and tight. Like, you go high and tight with fastball. So, I think it got away from him. I think he wanted fastball high and in, uh, out of the strike zone in an 0-2 count. I don't think that Heaney was hitting Jordan on purpose. You're coming off giving up a home run ball. So, at least there is the there's the perception that he could have been trying to send a message or he's pissed off. If he's sending a message, he he's not a doing it on run. 0-2. He's doing it first pitch. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I mean, sometimes there's all different ways guys do it. Sometimes guys want to say, I could get you right here, you know, show that, you know, it's not like you're better than me. And then you throw the, I've done it before. I mean, I've gotten two strikes on a guy that I wanted to hit all along and then drilled him after that. 82? No, not 82. <laughs> but, to, you know, to, to just basically, you know, everybody has their own way of doing it. Do I, 
if you're going to do that intentionally, I would think it's going to be in the butt or in, in the in the shoulder blade. That was a pretty dangerous spot. As much as Simeon lost his bleep in mind where he got hit, okay. the fact of the matter is that's – if. Jordan really could have had a lot more to beef about in the fact that he got hit pretty high and tight, too, in a pretty uncomfortable spot, and he's just coming back. Sure. So it, it is what it is. Whether it got away or not, it was a fastball, so that, that was a little bit more of an irritant, I'm sure, so for the Astros. You're, you're a maybe? Maybe. Maybe. I'm a, I'm a no. Um, I agree with you about the Jordan Alvarez annoyance level after it. Completely agree with that. All right, let's go to Marcus Simeon's at bat. One out. Nobody on. Fromber Valdez, first pitch, dots up Marcus Simeon. Let's, do you think that was on purpose? Let's let's not even try and do what some of the other shows and other people were trying to do and, and beat around the bush. He damn well sure did it. He did it to send a message to say, if you're going to go after our best hitter in our lineup and, and go after a guy that you are, everybody in, the, in baseball who's not an idiot knows is the straw that serves the drink for this team, then with, with Seager out, we're going after your best hitter, and we're going to go take a shot at yours. And then we're supposed to be even. But then he couldn't handle it. And he didn't understand for a second how baseball works. And that's just part of baseball and the unwritten rules. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he, he wanted to exacerbate it and he wanted to blow it up and he wanted to keep talking and getting chatty, that's why we got to where we got to. I don't... Okay, first on the hit-by-pitch, I think it was I think it was likely on purpose. Like, there's always a 10% chance somebody's bluffing. I think Fromber was trying to hit him. Now, if it came from Maldi or if it came from the dugout, I don't think you had the right pitcher on the mound to do this with. First off, look, you're up three runs. There's one out. There's better spots to hit a guy and maybe later in the game with sure. Simeon. I hate, if somebody called the code red, whoever it was, Fromber, Maldi, dugout, whatever. If somebody called the code red to Fromber Valdez, it was stupid. It was not at the right time to do it, one. Secondly, you have a pitcher on the mound who could unravel at a moment's notice. And he did. Mm-hmm. Fromber Valdez did not handle the aftermath of the hit-by-pitch, whether it was intentional, we think it was, whether it was unintentional, some people think it might have been. Fromber Valdez well, handled the aftermath of all of the drama at the worst possible way that you could. Yeah, let's, you know, as we, in retrospect, looking back at it, that's where it all unraveled. And we already know yeah. that we have a fragile psyche in Fromber Valdez. So your point is valid. Before we get off the Fromber point of it, of whether it was intentional or not, Let's also be very, very clear for everybody that said there was no way it could have been intentional because he turned his back immediately. Pitchers have to do that. Otherwise, if they're staring in and they start jawing, they're going to get suspended. Yeah. I think it was most likely intentional. Um, I, I, I think there's, a, there's always a possibility that we're wrong, that we don't know, and right. the way they truly know. If it was intentional and Fromber meant to do it, I'll be completely honest. I don't like that he turned his back to Marcus Simeon. But if you're going to do it, you don't turn your back on that dude. But it's easier said than done because of the fact that baseball looks for that and then they tag a suspension to it as well. Not, not before there's warnings, though. I think they do. I think they do because of the fact that we everybody in baseball is not stupid that works in baseball to know that you're, you're, you know Jordan just got dotted, so there's a pretty good chance someone else is going to get dotted. If you dot him and then start staring in and talking and, and bumping your gums, they're going to take a lot more of an exception to that. If you do what Fromber did, you're not going to get suspended for that. And sure, the warnings are going to then come afterwards. But I think it's I think it's, it's the difficult. same reason why guys don't want it in the post game press conferences. They don't want to admit it. They don't no, want to talk about you're it. You're not going to admit it. But I think that if you hit a guy before there's warnings and you just stand there and don't do anything, but you look at the guy, you're not getting a suspension and a fine. Now, if you escalate a brawl, if you like, if you pour you know, fire on the gas that leads to the benches clearing, you're going to get a fine there. But if you hit a guy before there's warnings and you just look at the guy, you're not getting a fine or a suspension. Okay. Uh, I, I think both sides were ready to go already. Simeon and, certainly was. And then the way that they, the, as soon as Simeon got hit, they, they even said that, the, you know, the Rangers were already out of the dugout. They were looking for an excuse. They got their ass handed to them. Uh, in the first two games, enough to know that you know they were the ones on edge anyway. But they were already looking for one jump with everybody jumping out of the dugout when Simeon got tagged, and he got tagged rightfully so because that's how baseball works. Yeah, like I don't, I don't. That's the other thing is I don't mind them hitting Simeon. I would have preferred a better situation in the game. I, I, don't, I hear that. I don't want it with one out, nobody on, up by three runs in the third inning. Like, let's see what the game is like in the seventh. You still have a series with them later in the year. Let's see what, how that series plays out. I thought it was a terrible time to do it. I don't mind retaliation. I thought it was a terrible time to do it. I don't mind retaliation when I don't think Heaney did it on purpose. You protect your best hitter. So I have no problem with retaliation, even though I don't think Heaney uh, did it intentionally. But I don't like the situation. And secondly... You did it with the wrong pitcher. Fromber Valdez, 
He can unravel at a moment's notice. We know this. Like, we know this about Fromber. And the aftermath after the hit-by-pitch with Symbian, Fromber completely came unglued. Mm-hmm. He couldn't get out of what was the fourth inning. Couldn't get out of the fourth inning. Like, this was not the pitcher that you call the Code Red for. 713-780-ESPN. Still plenty to get to with this. We'll get your thoughts on it as well. 713-780-3776. What was the dialogue between Marcus Simeon and Martin Maldonado? There is one Bush League thing. That I thought Marcus Simeon did as well, that we'll get to on the other side as well. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Mike Holly used to protect the Heisman Trophy winner. Now he wants to protect you. Uh, Mike's a U of H class of 1990. He's been protecting the interests of businesses for nearly 25 years, going on three decades now. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. HRP will also work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. You need a little help, you need a lot of help, or anything in between. HRP will create a plan for what you and your business need. You're not ordering off a menu. They're going to work with you to cater for whatever you need. Uh, their customer service second to none as well. They're not a stranger on the other side of the line. You'll be talking to someone familiar with you, familiar with your company. I can speak to that customer service anytime I have a question, and I have tons. I always get a quick response that's easy to understand. I am thankful for HRP. So make your employees thankful for HRP as well. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources and eliminate your HR burdens so you can get back to growing your business. Give them a call at 281 880 6525. Let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net that's hrp.net welcome back houston it's the killer bees joel blank and jeremy branham live from the veritex community bank studios on espn 97.5 and 92.5 really love this song it's a good song really hits home 713-780-ESPN, HRMP listener line. Uh, positive Vibes says, this is just me. I feel that forcing drama is just lame. I get that it makes it interesting, but I would just like it to naturally happen. Is that crazy? I think it did happen naturally. Like, Do you think that was forced at all yesterday? In what way? Like, is it forced? I mean, look, I think they're forcing the issue when they retaliate no matter what. I, I think that I, I would tend to agree with you that – to me, it just seems stupid that that Heaney would would hit would hit Jordan, but because it's Jordan, because of all the things that I mentioned, and because he's your most important player as a team, you got to come and you got to have his back anyway. So but that's kind of baseball-y, you know. Like, it that's is. Not, I mean, those like, are the unwritten rules of baseball. I, we disagree on the Jordan thing. You're a maybe. I'm a no. That it was intentional. Like that's still baseball, though. Like whether I'm right or whether you're right, it's still an O2 fastball that got away. Or you're right. He he sent a message to Jordan Alvarez. That's still baseball. That's not artificial. That's not forcing it. Um, the Fromber Valdez retaliation again. That's baseball. That's not forcing it. Uh, Marcus Simeon's reaction I, again. That's baseball. That's not forcing anything. I have no, I had nothing wrong with the way Marcus Simeon handled that. Like he sends he walks to first base. He's eyeing Fromber Valdez. Cool. Like that doesn't bother me at all. I want a hitter to act that way after he feels like he got hit uh, intentionally. His next at bat, he hits a homer. Like That's the best way to retaliate. Yeah, in, you hit know, like I tip my cap to that. Like it happened against the Astros. That stinks. But hey, you had, like if it was if the situation was flipped, we'd be going nuts. Oh yeah, our guy got hit intentionally, but he hits a home run the very next pitch. That's awesome. So I have no problem with that. I don't have problem with Simeon John at Martin. Maldonado. I don't have a problem with Martin Maldonado jawing back at Marcus Simeon. I don't have a problem with the benches clearing. This is good old-fashioned baseball. Now, maybe you see some some haymakers and some Donnie Brooks and things like that. The one issue that I had with this entire... I don't love that Martin Maldonado was chirping with a huge deficit, but the one thing that Marcus Simeon did that annoyed me was hopping on home plate. I thought that was childish. If you're going to act hard what? and tough, that's cool, but you hop on home plate, that's childish. It's Bush League. What is... Uh... What was uh, the catcher that was the baseball, the unwritten rules of baseball police that the Astros used to have? Brian um, McCann. McCann. McCann was doing what Molly, Molly was doing to McCann. Because it's one thing if Simeon, the first go-round, was trying to jaw at Fromber, and Fromber was, I guess, doing things the way a pitcher's supposed to do, which is just to ignore it, pretend like you didn't hear it. Maybe he did hear it because of the way he un- unraveled. But... You gave it a go the first time all the way around the bases, and you got away with it, and he didn't react. So now in the middle of the Grand Slam, you try it again, and you try to up it again. That's where Maldi's perfectly in his right to be basically say, bro, slow down, okay? All right, you, you made your point the first time. You kept trying to make your point. He didn't react. Relax. And then he wouldn't do that. 
But then, you know, and Maldi's in every right to basically tell him that. But then because of the fact that it spilled over into Garcia hitting it when he hit the plate and then getting and then him getting in the middle of it too, the umpires then at a certain point have to avoid all hell breaking loose. Yep. And that's why they had to take control of it. And you're right. Part of it was Simeon, again, because he's going to take one more go and because he wasn't reaching his destination <laughs> in trying to get into their heads and get them to react. Then he goes and takes the flying leap onto home plate, and now everybody's yeah. like, oh, now, okay, now we got it. That's the thing that bothered me, is he's hopping on home plate with an Adolis Garcia home run. Like, it, I, hey, you hit a home run after you feel like you got hit in per, on purpose, more power to you. I respect that. You're going to eye the pitcher after you feel like you got hit on purpose, more power to you. I respect that. I, I, I like the way Marcus Simeon actually handled that. The hopping on home plate was was childish. It was very very kiddy. That's where you don't get and you the didn't reaction hit the home you run. want. Yeah, you, you didn't hit the home exactly. run. But that's where you didn't get the reaction you wanted when you did hit the home run. And now you're going around the bases yeah. chirping, and you're still not getting the reaction that you wanted. So now you're taking one final last ditch effort to try and get under their skin, and he got what he wanted. That and the other thing on top of that too is that I lost my train of thought. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Here was the post game. Oh, uh, the umpires. I don't mind the umpires doing Maldi and Simeon. I think they had to to, get, to, to keep control of it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's exactly. basketball and baseball. They do it the same way. You may not think it was grounds for in a regular game for, for an ejection, but because of what was going on and what led up to it and the fact that both teams were in the middle of it, it could the next – if you let both of those guys stay in the game, undoubtedly you might take Seth Martinez and take another shot at Simeon. You might have something happen, and then the after effect is – both benches clear with punches thrown, and then it gets really out of hand, and they did what they had to do. 4-3 game there. I don't want to see ejections. 13-3 game there. Don't care that there are ejections. Here's apparently what uh, what went down at the plate between Martin Maldonado and Marcus Simeon that led to some chirping back and forth between the two. Martin, have anything to say to you? Because he has a lot to say to a lot of guys. Well, he, I told him when they hit the home run, I said, we're going to win this game. Um... He said, no, it's just like when you were in Oakland. So when I was in Oakland, they, they won the division twice maybe when he was there. We won the division once. They beat us in the playoffs. Grade the burn. Grade the burn that Martin Maldonado ass. used to Marcus Simeon. You didn't, you didn't like Martin Maldonado's burn to Simeon? No, I don't like Simeon's tr- attempt at like justifying because if he looks at yeah. the numbers and goes back and does the fact check, he's pretty far off. I thought Martin Maldonado's burn to Marcus Simeon was hilarious. I think it's great. <laughs> this is like you in Oakland. He was comparing them to the lowly Oakland single A's. I thought that was a great shot and by Martin Maldonado. Thing, Jeremy, I mean, we know how much crap talking goes on in the NBA, and it's just part of the game. Yeah. Like, just suck it up, big boy, and take it. Put your big boy pants on and understand you guys can have a jawing session because that's part of sports. But, you know, if it hurts you that much and, and you take that offense, get that offended by it, okay, that's on you. It was, uh, I, I love the burn for Martin Maldonado. I thought it was a funny I really, burn by I Martin. I really called BS, too, on that's what the conversation was. I think that might have been part of it. Yeah, there was definitely more yeah. language. And, and, and more... I think more, more purpose to the fact that he was calling out and taking exception to the reaction. Can you play this again, Joe George? I, I want you to listen specifically to the question. I think the well, question. The guy asking the question was I think brutal. The, I think the question's Bush League. I think this reporter behavior is Bush League. Martin, have anything to say to you? Because he has a lot to say to a lot of guys. Right there. That's it. Yeah. You're a reporter, I man. You're unbiased. Yeah. You're saying that Martin Maldonado has a lot to say about a lot of people? There's no doubt he's That's a Rangers guy. He's That's from brutal. Arlington. Yeah, and it was that was leading the witness. I mean, that was basically like trying to get him to go down that path because you know he's trying to write an article on that anyway. But to say that, how, do you, how the hell do you know? Are you sitting on the field every night and you know that Baldy's got a lot yeah. to say to a lot of guys? You're supposed to be an unbiased reporter calling it right down the middle and you're getting your opinion on how you think Martin Maldonado talks too much crap. Forget like, just <laughs> Dave Raymond and CJ Nitkowski. Find this ass clown's name and let's put him out there on blast for orange Kool-Aid drinking Astros fans too. To, to be honest with you, I think this is worse than Raymond and Nikowski. Like, Nikowski and Raymond are broadcasting to their fans. So, like, I understand, like, the your, your broadcast tone and sound is dedicated to Texas Rangers fans. Like, you're the home team broadcast. I believe that there should be a little bit of homerism from Dave Raymond and CJ Nikowski. But from a journalist asking questions in the clubhouse, I think this is worse than anything we saw from Dave Raymond and C.J. Nikowski over the weekend. His argument is probably going to be he's an Arlington reporter, and he's writing for the Arlington crowd, too. So he's trying to take that narrative. Right, but you're not going to quote your question. 
whatever you're writing for, you're not quoting your question. Like I, I, I don't, I don't, I think that was poor journalism there. If I'm being completely honest, I no, I, I completely agree that it was poor journalism. Yeah, you're saying you're playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I get what yeah, you're doing, and, I, and I'm also just saying that this is a guy that's writing in Dallas or Arlington that's trying to be the hero no one needs. Eight three two says uh, if the home plate uh, if the home plate hop aggravates you that you were soft. I never said it aggravated me. I said it was bushly. Like you have a major league baseball player who is scoring on somebody else's home run, and you're hopping like a bunny across home plate. It's a bad look for you. And yeah, Martin Maldonado is going to say something. I think if you're showing up the the pitcher, I think you're showing up Martin Maldonado hopping across the plate. Thirteen three game. I think it's bushly. Do we sensationalize things in baseball? Absolutely, we sensationalize things in baseball. You see more sensationalism in baseball than every single sport. High and end, what are you doing to me? You get hit by a fastball, what are you doing? You hop across home plate, what are you doing? Baseball is a sensationalized sport any way that you slice it. It's a sensitive sport, too. Absolutely. It's a very sensitive <laughs> sport, just by witnessed by the unwritten rules of baseball. There, there is a, there is a, a people's court in which sensitivity is the leading driver behind what the reactions are. I loved yesterday. If I'm being honest. I, like, I didn't mind it at all either. <laughs> like losing a 10-run game, and I know it turned into an 8-run game. Losing, but then having that drama against a team that you're fighting for first place with, this kind of makes the regular season fun. Like but We're circling the Rangers series down the, down the line on the absolutely, calendar. But this is essentially the Mariners series a year ago without a dust-up on the field, right? This is what the Mariners were hoping they got out of it too. But this is what the Rangers got out of it, and now it makes it more fun down the stretch because yeah. you got two teams neck and neck with a lot less distance between them than was between the Astros and the Mariners, and you, let's just let the better team win. I like it. I love it. I love that. And a little regular regular season baseball fire. Give me more of that. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. There was a trade that went down last night in Major League Baseball that, one, takes a player off of the Astros' wish list, and also it makes a division rival going for it? They're buyers? The Angels? Really? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. They're doing great things for people on a daily basis. They can do things for you, too. Men and women are going there on a daily basis and finding out about hormone therapy to get more energy in their life, to get more things done and accomplished on a daily basis. If you want to lose weight, they have new FDA-approved semi-glutide. You could lose up to six pounds a week without even going to the gym, and, and that's a plus for you. If you want to go to the gym, there's ways that you can recover quicker. There's ways you can chart your progress, and they're all available under the roof of Apollo Men's Health. Three locations to better serve you with a new one in League City to go with the two near downtown Houston. Go to their website right now and see all the different services they offer to see if there's a couple that might interest you. It's ApolloMH.com. When you go there and you check out the services, if there's a few that you think can help you, sign up for your first appointment. Most major insurance is accepted and discounts for military personnel and first responders. Take it a step further. Go in there and be open-minded. Answer their questions honestly. Tell them where they're where you're lacking. They're going to have a plan for you that gets you the results you need. They're good people that get results on a daily basis. Check them out today. They're the good people at Apollo Men's Health. ESPN 975.com. I'm hungry. The Krusty Krab Pizza is the pizza absolutely. <sighs> Rethink how you manage cash flow and payments for your business. Choose a banking partner who provides secure and remote tools tailored for you. Never pay for something you don't need. We're Veritex Community Bank. True to your business, true to Texas. VeritexBank.com. Member FDIC. Texas. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $700 million. Buy official Texas lottery tickets right from your phone at jackpot.com. Get a free ticket with your first play. Go to jackpot.com. Jackpot.com. Paid for by jackpot.com. You must be 18 or older to order a lottery ticket. Please play responsibly. If you or somebody knows a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. This is Lisa Zadok from Zadok Jewelers. Did you know that when you purchase an engagement ring diamond with us, we'll plant a tree? That's right. Zadok Jewelers partners with Trees for Houston to plant a tree in an underserved Houston community with every purchase of a loose diamond. Not only does this make Houston more beautiful, it also makes it a healthier and happier place to live. Getting engaged or upgrading your ring? Visit Zadok Jewelers and we'll plant a tree. Make the moment at Zadok Jewelers. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply. Stop, stop, stop. If you have blood sugar concerns, here's incredible news. Finally, there's one complete doctor-formulated solution to get your numbers right. Thanks to Berberine, a clinically researched super ingredient, Berberine Glucogold will help you maintain healthy blood sugar levels while supporting cholesterol and insulin sensitivity. Text THRIVE to 42. 42- 
1-800-273-1424 to start taking control of your blood sugar levels today. Berberine Gluco Gold has been flying off the shelves for good reason. It pairs one of today's hottest ingredients found in nature with three other nutrients for incredible blood sugar results. If you're ready to take control and live your life with healthy blood sugar levels, text THRIVE to 42424. Text right now and we'll send you a complimentary bottle. This exclusive Berberine Gluco Gold offer is not available in stores. You can only get your complimentary bottle by texting THRIVE to 42424. Plus, text right now and you'll receive a bottle of vitamin D3 immune support absolutely free. Text the word THRIVE to 42424. That's THRIVE to 42424. THRIVE to 42424. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. Yeah. Yeah, that's us. Um, Angels made a trade yesterday. Yeah, they did. The Angels made a trade yesterday. Uh, they traded for Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez. Lefty out of the bullpen has been pretty good after failing in the closer role to start the year. Uh, Angels trade their number two prospect, number three prospect to get the deal done. Look. I think the biggest story out of this is that, well, kiss those Shohei Otani rumors go uh, goodbye. The Angels are indeed buyers at the trade deadline. Yeah, this is desperation 101 if you're Moreno and the Angels. This is a a complete 180 change, of course. You read some of the articles that say they weren't getting what they thought they were going to be offered for Otani in the first place. But now the more they think about it, they want to be in for the opportunity to maintain and retain his services. And the only way to do that was not only to not trade him, but to try and upgrade the roster and put it in go-for-it mode so that not just Otani, but Mike Trout and everybody else involved says, okay, they finally mean business. They're finally going to keep trying to do what we need them to do, which is try and win. And and hopefully that makes a difference with Otani, and it also uplifts the rest of the ball club. So, yeah, I guess if you're an Astros fan, good news. Otani's not going to go to a team that could basically be upgraded enough to be a competitor with you for what you're trying to achieve. Good luck if you're the Angels because now you're trying in desperate mode to try and make up a whole lot of ground and get some guys before the deadline. Angels are seven back of the American League West lead that's held by the Texas Rangers. They're four games back of the American League wild card, the final spot which is held currently by the Blue Jays at 57 and 46. Angels have been playing better. They've won seven of their last ten games. They've won back-to-back games. They're playing live right now against the Detroit Tigers. But they're in a spot where they can potentially get into the postseason. But to me, this is more of a trade like you mentioned. Yeah, they have aspirations to be in the playoffs. But their bigger goal here is to convince Shohei Otani to stay in Anaheim. They're showing to him, look, we are committed to winning while you're here. Whenever you enter free agency in the offseason, we want so much for you to be back. And you use the word desperation. I think it's fair to say the word desperate when it comes to the Angels wanting to keep Shohei Otani. He's the biggest star in baseball. We think that he's a unicorn. We think he could potentially be the best player ever because of what he can do on the mound, what he can do at the plate. I'm not a huge proponent of big contracts, but if Artie Marino and the Angels are saying we are going to do everything possible so we don't let a a once-in-a-generation star leave our organization, I can't fault them for that. We still blame Boston for selling Babe Ruth. Like you don't want to be the team that lets Shohei Otani walk away. So I, I personally, I would, I wouldn't care. I would, I would trade him, but I don't blame the Angels and Marino for trying to do everything, turn over every to. stone, trying to make sure that they keep Shohei Otani in Anaheim. You have to because you don't, you don't want to be the guy that in history was the guy that let Otani walk without making an effort to try and keep him. Right? You're the guy that you know, and we've talked about it this in the past. Ownership is sensitive to a lot of these things too, to where. You don't. You can have all the money in the world, but you don't want to be the guy that everybody goes. Man, you let Otani walk. You traded Otani and didn't have a chance to retain him. And then if he goes on to the same kind of career that he's been having and more, and you go, God, you're the owner and the team that let him get away. That's on you, man. And that's a bad look. And owners don't want that. And I think that Moreno had to finally look at this and say. Look, I mean, maybe they've had some conversations with Otani's camp too, but they've got to take their best swing at He wants to stay on the West Coast. It's probably going to be a two-team race between you and the Dodgers. So if you can try and keep him in red and white, you've got to make every effort to do so. So at least at the end of the day, if he does go somewhere else, you say, hey, we gave it our best shot. We were in it till the end, and it didn't work out. Yeah, but now you're talking about losing Otani, and you're trading your top prospects. Sure this did. is a great day for the you talk about like just the Astros having a team in their division that's likely going to be a disaster. 
even more than they already are? Because I still think Otani is going to go to the Dodgers. So like I do too. So I now, firmly believe. So Otani leaves in the offseason and you're giving up your top prospects. I agree with the notion of you don't want to be the Boston Red Sox and trading Babe Ruth and trading Otani here. But I don't think this is wise either. No, I wouldn't have played it like this. From an, I wouldn't have either. I would trade him last year. But to can be honest. certain, yeah, or the off season. Yeah, um, but I can certainly understand not wanting to be the team that trades Shohei. And I, I think even leaving in free agency is better than trading him because oh, well, we tried. That's right. We, we right. gave Absolutely. Shohei Otani yeah. a four hundred million dollar contract. Yeah, like him leaving. Now he chose. He chose to leave us. Shohei chose to leave us in free agency. We didn't trade him away. So I think it does send a better message. Do I think this is the best thing for the Angels to do? Calculating the risk and the reward? No. It like Joe looking at it from an Astros perspective. Is this good for a division rival to be making this type of move? I think it is a good thing because I think that the Angels aren't going to be competitive in the American League West this year. Maybe they sneak into the third wild card, but that's not going to worry you depending on where you're at in the playoff seating. And then secondly, from a long-term point of view, I agree with you guys. I think Shohei Otani does leave the Angels in free agency. So they traded young players, their second and third best prospect, trying to appease Shohei Otani for two rentals, by the way, that can also leave in free agency. I think that it makes them worse in the long term. It makes them better in the short term, Certainly. but not good enough to reach that contender status. Yeah, it doesn't put you in a, a position where you're going to have a lot of teams fearing you coming into a playoff series and thinking – this team it could be a wrecking ball that comes through and crushes us. You look at it and go, it's the Angels. I think we're fine. We match up fine with them. Their lineup is a couple of stars and a whole lot of nobodies, and we'll take our chances in, in that matchup. It's not like you're playing teams that perennial perennial playoff powerhouses that do the things of the Astros, of even the Yankees of the past, but especially the Dodgers who at least do a lot to get there and have a loaded roster. This isn't like that. This is a team that's desperately trying to get in that conversation, to be someone included with some of those teams for this year. So this is a complete desperate move, and giving up the prospects is part of it. And that's the most painful part of this. If he walks and you can say, we made our best effort, he walked away, you're not going to take as much blame. But now because of the aftermath and the trail that you leave behind is you lose several key prospects, that's an even worse look for a team that's trying to do the right thing for their fan base. Yeah, I think the nut of this for the Angels is you're going to get Two months of Giolito, two months of Renato Lopez, and then they're all going to leave you in free agency. I think you're right. And then you're kind of like, uh-oh, what do we do? Do we have to just rebuild? Now, they feel that they're going to be competitive with Shohei Otani. Uh, they feel like they can get him back long-term, which, again, I can understand that. One of the biggest stars uh, in all of baseball. But I think this is a good thing from the Houston Astros perspective. Carlos on uh, on the Twitch says, my only two reactions from this trade, one, LOL, okay, Angels, and two, dominoes start falling in 3-2-1. That's a feel that I've had as well. Like, we're starting to see teams get a little active here. The Dodgers make, eh, I think, kind of an insignificant trade for Kike Hernandez. Uh, we saw Miami and Minnesota trade a couple of relievers, but I, we're starting to see activity. I'm Rosario they- from Cleveland. The oh, Dodgers yeah, the Dodgers did. did. They, they traded Syndergaard for him. Yeah. They traded Thor for him. What a yeah. fall from grace that guy's had. Do you know no who the doubt. Angels got for Thor? No. I, I looked this up the other day. Mikey Moniak, who was like, or I don't know if that's how you Moniac, say his name. Yes, Moniak. Center field from the Phillies. He's been really good yep, for the yep, Angels. Yep. They got him for Thor at the at the deadline last year. So, like, that's the one good move the Angels made. But, well, like, I think this is the, this is the domino that starts because Ken Rosenthal reported yesterday that the, the holdup has been Otani. That the, the trickle-down effect from is Otani going to get traded or not, has kind of been holding up everything. So now that that's been you know solved, mm-hmm. it should, in theory, open it up more. But I don't know who's selling anymore. We've seen business pick up, though. I, I, you're right. There's not very many sellers. No, Miami looks like they're trying to – they're insignificant moves, as you mentioned, with other teams. But it looks like they're actually trying to improve their roster instead of trying to start shedding big contracts – and guys that have a lot of open market value and trying to get prospects, that's what the wild cards are doing. That's what, with so many teams within a couple of games of being in the mix for a playoff spot, that's what's going to make this trade deadline so challenging for so many general managers because you got to figure out who's selling, who's buying, and then if you're a team that's on the cusp, you don't know when they might be willing to like change direction. And if they don't, you might be screwed. Yeah, it's gonna it's uh it's interesting, but I do think business is picking up. Like you're starting to That's, see some of the moves, you're seeing some of the trades. I think the Otani point's a good one. I think we're gonna start to see a flurry of moves before Tuesday's deadline. I mentioned in the first segment, the first thing that I thought of when when the move was made, the moves started to make last night. I'm like, oh, here we go. 
that the first domino's fallen, and that now all teams are going to be completely like on on the uh, on the edge trying to make deals because now that the first starting pitcher's gone too, we you know we see everybody say, well, there's six, seven, eight teams interested in starting pitching. Well, there's one less starting pitcher to go get. Now you better start counting how many pitchers are out there and start to go after the guys you want because teams are going to be on the attack to try and get them. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting few days. I think Dana's going to be active. I think Dana's going to be aggressive. Um, but I think it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough. A couple of the good things from the Astros game yesterday before we move along to the Texans training camp inside a very hot, humid Houston. Uh, Alex Bregman continues to swing a good bat. Yeah. It was good to see Alex Bregman hit the three-run homer. It's too bad it didn't hold up. Uh, but Bregman, that little change of, of approach a little bit, the little toe tap, he's holding to, onto the bat for the entire swing instead of getting rid of it the very last second. Uh, Bregman's kind of figuring some things out, it seems. Yeah, no, it's it's very, very big in the fact that we've talked in the past about where he was bat position. He was he was tinkering with the bat position and when he was getting ready as the pitch was coming in, and, and he went from straight upright to a little bit more tilted down. Now he's doing, like you mentioned, the, the toe-top tap and hanging onto the bat a little longer. Whatever works, and right now it's working. Whatever he's doing right now, we've seen another resurgence for Alex Bregman. Can he maintain it? We certainly hope so, because the one thing we've seen in the past is the resurgence happens for a week or two, and then we have a little bit of a regression, a little, a little bit of a falling back, and then he finds something else. Hopefully this maintains where he's been at because he has been super hot, and you need him to continue to be that way with the schedule, the way it's laying out for you coming up. Yeah. Um, he looks good, which is good because of what you got back with Jordan and Altuve. The lineup's starting to look a little deeper and deeper. Uh, we're not going to mention Rafael Montero going in and third scoreless. We're not going to mention Rafael Montero pitching better of late. We're not going to talk about that. And then Yiner Diaz, I know it was meaningless two-run homer in the ninth inning, but uh, how about Yiner Diaz continuing to hit home runs? Yiner Diaz continuing to dong. That's another reason why he's got to be in the lineup. Yeah. He just, he, he, you know, we, we've said this about Chaz. We can say it about Yiner, too, that he's got to continue to be in this lineup somewhere. It doesn't always have to be catcher for those Maldi stands that don't want him to be sat down, but he's got to be in the lineup you because know, he provides pop on an almost nightly basis. You know, it's one thing that happened in yesterday's game, though, that I fear is not going to be good for the playing time of Yiner Diaz. What's that? Jonah Heim leaving the game. Now, the Rangers have three catchers, but I think Dusty Baker's like, there you go. Jonah Heim leaves the game, whatever inning it was. Was it the fourth inning? What if that happened to us? What if that happened to us when Martin Maldonado's catching and Yiner Diaz is DHing, and now we're in a spot where we have to put the pitcher in the lineup? I think Jonah, Jonah Heim getting hurt in that game yesterday. Dusty's seeing that. I know Dusty already knows that options exist, but he sees that. And he's like, look, that's what I've been telling you. That's why we can't DH Yiner Diaz. No, yeah, but uh, he should be saying, well, that's why I'm going to catch Yiner Diaz and not yeah. play Martin Maldonado. You're right. And he I should don't know, say that. Maybe. He should say that. Know, maybe, you know, Diaz should catch Fromber, you know, giving up 15 earned runs in his last 15 innings pitched. Maybe Diaz would have more success than Maldi. Maybe we should try something different, Dusty. Let's change the flavor. Well, no, look, I, I think that Dusty's going to be looking for anything that can verify and back up points he wants to make. But there's no denying, just like no matter whether he liked Chaz or didn't like Chaz, at a certain point, it doesn't matter. You got to play Chaz. The same thing with Yiner Diaz. As much as he still has a lot to learn in terms of plate discipline and pitches that he swings at, the fact of the matter is when he's in there, you're a better offensive baseball team and you're trying to be a better offensive baseball team as you get your two best players back. He needs to be in the lineup whether what, no matter what Dusty feels. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six pick six and the extra point. What did Branham learn at Texans training camp today? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five.